And welcome back to Weepology, everybody. I am your NPR professor, Ricky. What's up, folks? I'm your not-too-cold professor, Ethan. I'm a chilly boy. Today on NPR, we'll be talking about Is Beige the New Taupe on this three-and-a-half-hour special of The Power of Color. Yellow mm. is the color of my energy. <laughs> Bad intro. Bad song. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm taking a... Me and Ethan are apart. I'm away from the lab today. I am visiting our... Kind of our motherland of sorts. We're both big Pittsburgh boys, so I'm here visiting that city. And I don't feel too bad saying where I'm going to be, because I won't be here by the time this, in, this episode <laughs> pops, so, so I can freely dox myself without What room worrying. are you in? <laughs> what room am I in? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm in 1742 in a hotel I will not specify. <laughs> Just seems like not you were not worried about it all like a second ago. The address to this hotel is, mm-hmm. but yeah, we uh we just bopped around a little bit yesterday, and today we're just gonna go around and eat all the good food up here. God, I I love northern food, Ethan. I love northern food. I, I can't. It's just it's so fatty. It's so there's something that like the northeast just knows how to put anything beautiful between two pieces of bread. They just love their sammies. They really uh, right, do. Right. Yeah, down where we're at, you know, fried is the name of the game. We put the breading on every part of it, it envelop it in a nice oily container of crunch. Like a cacophony of bread and mm-hmm. diabetes. Yes, but up here in the north, they'll just put, what if we put mott sticks, chicken fingers, french fries, and roast beef all between two pieces of rye? Let's give that away. <laughs> and people love it. Let's give that a try. Yeah, let's give that rye a try. And you know what? Right. They got it right. They got it so, so right. So I'm going to eat a bunch of sandwiches today. I'm going to drink a bunch of really cheap Labatt Blue beer, which is Labatt. like... Labatt Blues. The Canadian Pilsner of choice. I, get, I, wanna, I need to get some Iron City beer in me. My dad said he'd be very upset at me if I didn't. Uh, I mean, you know. When you're in Rome, you got to do it right, you know? Uh, I guess you're right. And I'm looking to be a little bit of a little bit of a degen today, if you catch my drift. Just kind of float do. around. Yeah. Speaking of degen, we are definitely talking about a show today that just oozes degenerate energy. Like to the nines, honestly. And I think they worked in a really interesting way narratively how to make this work. Like a lot of shows of this kind of caliber in the same uh, you know, group of thing, they love to just give the D-Gen kind of over-horny energy, but for some reason, this show managed to narratively give a reason why that needs to be there. So, Ethan, what show are we talking about today? Yeah, so in our, like, roundup episode a couple of weeks ago, I had mentioned that I was watching... The dubbed version of Combatants Will Be Dispatched. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on Funimation. Pretty yes. hilarious show. But uh, basically the premise is this main character, Agent Six, is like the main combatant character for this um, evil Kisaragi Corporation. Oh, yeah. And they, yeah. they're about to take over the Earth. Like they've they've only got like a few more bastions of like heroes to to get rid of, and they then they will have in the back, conquered right? Earth. Yeah, yeah. 
And so, they sent Agent Six off to some new world because they're like, if we don't hurry up and find a new place to conquer, we're gonna have to lay off five thousand employees. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, and I love that. That's, I think that's really the kind of the first crux of this show is that the Kisaragi Corporation are baddies, Inc. Like they are literally right. their only product is evil and domination. That's that's what they sell. That's what they do. I don't know exactly who's buying or who's funding these endeavors, but, you know, I'll let that one slide. I'll let that one slide. But right. Not that the, important. It's not that important. But what is important is that this is, in fact, an isekai. Isekai show from spring 2021 by JC Staff. And I say isekai because I guess it does, by our measure, justify the title of isekai. I would say that the worlds are being transported to are, in fact, in the same universe, right? Yeah. Okay. There are literally other planets in the universe, um, which is interesting to me that I, I, there have been people in the past to us and to the world at large that would say that, you know, it needs to be another universe. Everyone has their own, you know, justification for Isekai. This is, this is it enough because these worlds, when they go to, they seem to have different rules, laws, customs, philosophies well enough uh, different from Earth at large and definitely different from the Kisaragi Corporation because they go to a world that I don't actually know the name of off the top of my head. Um, but this world is just chivalry to the nines, right? Just absolutely chivalrous, which is a well, great I th- I think it's like yeah. it's like the old school version of like medieval chivalry, but it's not like everything is about chivalry. It's just that like their war is supposedly uh, supposed to be like carried out in like a very specific procedure. Like honor is everything. Yeah, yeah like right. you can't you know uh, look bad essentially. But our main protagonist is like King Dejan, as Ricky has already mentioned. Yeah, um, <laughs> six is like I don't. We we just gotta kind of move on a little bit because it's like the only reason it works so well, like this show in general, is because he's supposed to be a bad guy. Yes, yes. By by trade, like it's not that he inherently is a bad dude, but he's good at being a bad. Well, okay, that's not a hundred percent true. I think deep down, his core, his nugget of human being, his humanity, is just tainted, rotten. Like he's just not a good <laughs> guy. He has sparks of like heroism and sparks of being a good guy i guess but at the same time like you know it's his job to be a shithead it's his job and it's not just it's not just his job in that like this is his duty that's how he gets fucking paid right so there's there's like a a currency (laughs) currency system called evil points so anytime (laughs) he does something like bad or evil he'll be awarded like money essentially so there's like points throughout the entire show where like he has to literally go pull up a girl's skirt and look at their underwear just to get money so that they can like get a gun or something like to beat right. an enemy. Yeah, like literally you like, hey, we're gonna be here for a month while I build this machine. He's there with this little android girl named Alice, who is I like her character too. She's a good foil for Agent Six because she's very methodical. She's built from the ground up by this Kisaragi Corporation. So the way her evil is enacted is very sterile. It's very procedural, right? Is that you just... She'll go tell him, like, hey, we have a month before I could build this machine. Go get evil points. You have, like, a quota to go flash, like, seven women. 
and that'll get us enough points. Go do that. And he's like, fine. I get, okay. Fucking corporate. I'm a cog in the machine. All right, hey, yeah. ladies, look at my zipper. <laughs> like, so there's this weird juxtaposition between this kind of like professionalism hue over the degen stuff and what would normally in another show, and I think this is another big tenet of the show, where, you know, in other shows, this stuff just seems to occur naturally, right? That the main character in an isekai is a big shithead, you know, he's aloof at best and a real piece of shit at worst. You know, I'm watching Jobless Reincarnation Season 2 right now, and I will admit they're going a little bit beyond the pale as of right now, but neither not not here nor there. We're not talking about that now. But um, they, they managed to put a very nice framework around the D-Gen energy to give both a reason as to why this show just is to the nines, just horny, like real like weeb energy, otaku energy and stuff like that, but also allows you allows them to subvert that at times you know agent six can have moments of heroism that feel a little bit more naturally occurring because he's defying his job his mission his partners right and i like that a lot it was pretty cool to see those moments but he'd always devolve back into his shithead ways right yeah i mean he's like the i guess quintessential villain in that like you know, it's not like the overarching villain stories where they'll like, you know, monologue for five minutes about how they're going to kill the bad guy or the good guys, right? No. His version is like, like pure, like commoditized villainy. Yes, <laughs> like, it's like great. They, they know they have like a handbook on like how to do the most despicable thing at any point. And they, he follows that through at all times. And it's just like, I don't know, man. I think this show, at least for me, was like what you were looking for the other, like a couple weeks ago with Suke Michi. You thought it was going to be like a parody joke kind of show. Yeah. And I feel like this one actually was because it was t- taking the whole like hero thing and flipping it completely on its head where right. he does really bad shit, but it's like, it's like diabolical stuff. It's not like bad as in like you know, subjugates an entire race to be slaves, right? Like, he's just like, it's like nuisance bad stuff. That's what makes it, like, so enjoyable to me. He's chaotic evil. If you were to align him, he's chaotic evil. Like, and I would, maybe it's not 100% chaotic because he doesn't do it for purely anarchal ends. Like, he needs to get, your boy's got to get paid, right? He's got to get paid. And... I wonder, I, I was thinking the entire time, if he were summoned here, you know, promised a, like a, a stipend package, like a, like an in-bulk payment when he got back, would he still be doing the same kind of evil shit? I wondered that. Is Agent 6 that kind of guy where he's not incentivized on the fly to do the evil shit? I, I wonder how that would change. Well, I think it was, like, pretty clear that he's, like, peak evil, like, and by evil, like, it's almost like we need to be careful calling him evil, because it's, like, not, yeah, right. it's not, like, intentionally being, like, like, bad. He's not just out there killing people for fun kind of evil, you know what I mean? It's, like, right. like, I don't know, villainy. He's, like, peak villain. But, like, not a villain that will tell you his plan and then get foiled. Like, he knows... It's, like, outside of that, it's meta. He literally, like, multiple times will be like, you know you've already failed because, like, villains can't say shit like that. (laughs) They'll instantly get beaten. 
That's a good way. Yeah, you brought that up because uh, I, to give the people at home some context of the kind of villainy we're talking about here, he ba- there's a moment where there's an army storming a tower of demons. Very, very standard issue, you know, medieval fantasy like raid situation. He decides to take his squad and scale the top instead of marching head on inside. He scales the top to the bo- two big baddies of the tower. They're both brothers. He kicks one over like from behind. like So a sneak attack kick over a railing. The dude's hanging off the railing, and if he lets go, he dies. He tells his brother, hey, if you take a step, I'm going to have my team throw rocks at your brother until he falls. <laughs> he then says, Don't, you can't move. And while he can't move, exploiting his love for his demon brother, kicks the shit out of him. Everyone gets to the top. And then basically the the brother that was hanging finally gets to the top and says, I'm not going to kill him, but he's basically near dead. You should probably get a medical attention. But before you do that, how much is he fucking worth to you? Give me a little (laughs) bit of that cash before I let him go. That see right there, there's those moments like he, he executes a plan maximizing his own personal profits. And right there is what I kind of think that you are talking about. It's peak villainy where it's, in service of himself, in service of his mission, in service of, you know, this evil corp. And it goes back to what he said about another villain, like what you were just saying, where like the way he talks, that balding dude with one eye, right? He's conniving, kind of almost little finger Game of Thrones level shit. He's like, this guy is like, he's petty. He's just petty. He'll go off on these like evil villain tangents and like, dude, you you just gave your shit away. Like this is you're so you are so second tier. You're so third rate to me in terms yeah. of villainy. It's great. Um, but yeah, like and that kept it really fresh. And I I think we should talk about the comedy because that I think is the highlight for me. This show's yeah, fucking this funny. Is, <laughs> first of all, I laughed every single episode. I thought it was like genuinely one of the funnier anime I've watched and. It's not even just like the actual jokes were funny. It was like situational comedy. And then like the innuendo was like so meta and out of this world. And then I must say, like we talked about it with people in the discord and they were all not a fan of this show. And I'm thinking it, it has got to be like sub versus dub because the dub was absolutely like pristine perfection for like, I don't know who the voice actors were for both, uh, uh, six and Alice, but they were like potentially like the perfect people for the role. Yeah, dude. Okay, so I talked to my roommate about this because uh, he gave it the religion of three. I said, just watch it. I, I want to see what your thoughts are on this dub, right? And I, and I want to say it now. Everyone who's ever listened, or if this is your first time, hi, welcome to the class. But I am a sub boy. I love subtitles i i love things in dub i think it really captures the original voice actors and the voice cast's uh emotions and intentions but every so often you come along a show that the dub just works better and i tried an episode in dub i mean in sub and ethan you were dead right that this this show needs a dub it needed the dub and i i wondered why and and if you look at sub and dub they differ pretty wildly at parts and most notably the jokes and I think, I just think the dub cast had two things going for it. They just had fun. They just, it, it, they looked at everything. They looked at the script and they had fun with it. They threw in this stuff. And I want to bring up some examples in a second. But the second one is, it feels like they were all recorded in a room. 
there was almost an uncanny flow in the way that the characters interacted. And I think a lot of dubs suffer from a voice actor goes in, records his lines and leaves. And then the second one comes in, records their lines and leaves and has maybe like the, the current edit of it in front of them, right? This didn't seem that way. It almost felt like they were all the main characters were in the room together and they were just bouncing back and forth. So there is a nice kind of real, you know, beat for beat flow. And I think those two things led itself to a very powerful dub when delivering the comedy. I, I and I was shocked. I was shocked because I'm always I, I'm a dub dubious guy. I'm like, oh, okay, a good dub. All right. <laughs> 2021, dubious. a dub dubious. In, in 2021, really? Okay, let's see what's going on. And lo and behold, I was shocked. I was surprised. And so I say to anyone, if you are watching, have yet to watch, or shit, you want to give it a rewatch, do dub. I, I, I don't say that lightly. That is a big thing for me to say. So go watch this in dub. Agent 6 voice actor, mwah, chef's kiss. Perfection. He cares so yeah, little. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like they had to have retranslated everything, but also not only just like word for word retranslation or like sentence for sentence, but they also tweaked it to like involve like English slang and stuff like that. Yeah, because for sure. There was so many, there were so many like points where Agent Six was like, I don't know, he was uh, like taunting somebody and he switched to like a, a British accent. And yeah. He'd be like, <laughs> His meat interlewinks, you know, just like yeah. he'd like break out some rando ass uh, like slang saying, and you're like, no shot, that's in the in the freaking sub, you know? Absolutely but, not. And so I don't know, man. I I I normally would imagine people who are like big sub fans generally like the comedy and sub more for some unknown baffling reason to me. Um. It, it's a, it's a show by show, and I think more. I, I more guess if sub. it's like a less lifeless cast or a more lifeless cast, I could understand like maybe it's not as fun, right? Because they don't feel like they're all engaged. But at yeah, least in this show, in this show, they all feel so lively. Like the cast is insanely lively, and then like like I said, the jokes are actually like pretty top tier and like meta. Like like they uh. There were some like British jokes in there, you know what I mean? Like when he would whip out his accent, like there'd be slang, there'd be meta stuff. Like he'd talk about anime in the middle of the show. Like, yeah, right. I don't know, man. It was just a lot of fun. So there was a, there's two uh, jokes I wanted to, or just kind of like comedy moments I want to bring up to kind of like bolster your point. The first one is that there was a scene, I think you remember the scene where like I think the general was talking about their current situation and is like, uh, the, the enemy, honestly, we thought we had an advantage, but they they beat us off to it. And then everyone in the room gasped. And then Agent Six is like, ha! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that So, like, it's just a subtle, like, ha! And then he just kept doing innuendos. And you can hear, like, Agent Six snicker while everyone in the room is like, oh, no. And he's just like... <laughs> and it's like, that's, that's awesome. That's great. And the second one was really subtle. And I, had, and I, I truly stand by that this is the purpose of this meta joke where there's a moment where they this that balding guy with the one eye you know uh, we're gonna get maybe slightly into more spoilery but you know there's not too much to spoil in the show it's very comedic in nature it's not like this huge turns or anything like that but the the agent six and alice cornered the 
balding one-eyed guy in the hallway and heard that he's been conniving behind their back they use their evil points to summon duct tape and he says hey guy i heard you've been very naughty and then use the duct tape to take off all the rest of his hair now if anyone caught that that is an homage to courage the cowardly dog the barber episode where he always says his backstories were like she's been very naughty and then cut off all the person's hair like shot for shot cadence for cadence that is a reference to courage the cowardly fucking dog i'm like what that's insane to me that's a really you know like i i and it's to that point i think they must have retranslated and add their own jokes and like i said just had fun with the comedy so i i I give this dub an a like this this was what the show needed is it the most stellar cast in the world no, it's solid, but the way that they had fun with it was just so good. It was so fun. Um, and it made for a really funny show. And you're right. It, in a way, it was kind of the isekai parody I was looking for in terms of comedy. Um, however, we have to be analytical boys. The only, I, I won't even call it really a knock. This is not a big brain show. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, this is literally a comedy show. There, there is like zero plot, essentially. Yeah, they don't. They're not out here to wildly and cleverly subvert the isekai culture genre. They're not out here trying to uh, promote this, you know, scathing satire or really turn a lot of tropes on its head. This is a simple show. It's very simple, but well, they. Okay. Yeah, but the main character is like a villain. I think the whole concept of the show is literally a parody of it, right? Like a corporation yeah. is evil and like <laughs> you you get points by doing petty evil things, you know? Like I think that in in itself is like maybe the reverse of like a uh, I I hasten I mean, to say shield hero, but like like he was viewed as bad, but he's actually a good guy, right? Like, he, you find out near the end of that show that he had been doing all these things throughout the season, and wow, they all net insanely good karma, you know, and, like, good good results. But, like, our main character in this show is, like, doing these tiny, tiny little bad things <laughs> throughout the show <laughs> just to honestly F with people and get right. evil points. It felt kind of like in in some ways uh, an opposite to Drifters, where there is this kind of hidden organization that summons heroes or notable men of greatness from one world to, you know, enact uh, some kind of change, big, sweeping global changes because of their presence in another world, right? Where this is the opposite. We have an organization. It's very professional. They're sending their agents. They're not men of valor. They're not men of you know, greatness. They're just employees and they send them to do petty shit. So like that, you're right that the whole premise, I think that's why the premise is really kind of the linchpin to why this is a, this is a good, uh, is a good standout for me because that's all they needed. That's all they needed to set up all the situational comedy, all of the subversion. They did all the work up top and that's really nice. And I, I think maybe, uh, this is actually what I was looking for in Moonlit Fantasy because what I was looking for in Moonlit Fantasy was this kind of subtle, clever, like, oh, instead of being this summoned hero with all the boons, you know, they have you know, literally nothing. But this show also kind of had that too. Like, 
he came in with nothing but hot tech, right? He had to buy his tech. He had to buy his boons by being a shithead. All which right. is which is great which is just again it's it's and i i want to give you know the people who were throwing dissent at this show i'm trying to pick apart exactly what it is about those arguments that weren't you know too savvy or too on about this show and i think maybe it came down to feeling cheap feeling a little hollow a light on some aspects Maybe they're looking for more an emotional punch that existed in this show. There was no emotional punches in this show. It didn't really happen. I don't know. I I would honestly take it all and break it down to literally just being a difference between sub and dub. And here's why I think that might be the case is like if this if this is as we assume retranslated, kind of retweaked to like actually be hilarious to to people that are English speaking, right? It's almost a little bit like uh, a little analogous to like the mythology question that we've talked about in different episodes where. Oh, OK. Where like this might have been funny to Japanese people, right? Like maybe they're mm-hmm. referencing shit that only Japanese people like typically talk about or know, right? Like what if what if it's like that? Whereas if, if you were a Japanese individual listening to this show like they made references that you would understand because it's like your frame of reference. Right. Whereas when they fully retranslated it and just had a, a baller cast to just laugh and have fun, like, like all of those jokes hit for me. And I'm just wondering if maybe that's what the difference is. Plus I, I do like genuinely question whether you can really laugh a lot about a show where you're reading the, the joke. I okay, you have a point. I, I think some shows do a pretty good job. I, I've been kind of keeping up with my senpai is annoying. It's an office comedy. Um, tiny man, like tiny chick, this big built muscular dude, and they they get in all this kind of like will they won't they stuff. And I, I think that the dub comedy, I mean, oh, sorry, the sub comedy in that it lands. I, I have a good time with it. It's because it's very situational. It's sometimes slapstick. So. Maybe I think that they got around the frame of reference issue between a Japanese and Western audience by kind of leaning more in that direction. But there, I, I go back to maybe that this is what it takes for a dub to succeed in elevating itself, right? Is that getting loose with trying to, you know, trying to do away with getting the sub on the money with the dub. Rather, they go ahead and then you know, capture the spirit of the scene, capture the narrative, sure, but they add their own Western flair, references, idioms, and stuff like that. I don't watch enough dubs to know if this is a common thing or not. Like, I actually don't know if what they've done in Combatants Will Be Dispatched is more common than I am giving it credit for. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you find this level of Westernization of dubbing in terms of content common in dubs? Because you watch a lot more dubs than I do. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely not common in terms of them just like fully, f- fully like retooling it and outfitting it for an English audience. Like I, I like this. This is why why I thought it was like, you know, noteworthy to talk about is like this show literally will will bring in slang from like our lifetime, and I'm just like, holy shit! Or like the innuendo. <laughs> there's no sh- there's no chance that's like 
translatable from Japanese. That's a, yeah, that's a good point. And I mean, it, it's and it kind of goes back to like it, dub in and of itself, maybe as a concept, you know, you know, making this English or whatever language that's outside of Japanese is is the anime industry a little too obsessed with trying to get the sub on the money right? Like exactly as it was described and transcribed in the sub. And I wonder if that is maybe doing a disservice to a lot of dubs and maybe what would turn off, it, you know, all my sub folk out there what might be able to attest to that is that the dub never felt like it really captured the emotion or the vibe or whatever, whatever dub isn't doing for you. Maybe it's just that the anime industry in and of itself is, you know, a little bit too obsessed with getting it right rather than kind of making it fun for a Western audience, making it more, you know, digestible or relatable to a Western audience uh, in lieu of accuracy. And maybe this show is kind of a prime example of what happens when you do have a little fun with the with the wording, with the jokes and stuff like that. So I, I if this is where Dub is going, I don't know if this is the poster child for it, but it is for me. I'd say in my personal anime history, you know, I, I, I think that this should be more widely adopted. You know, give give Dub some breathing room to make it for the audience you're dubbing it for, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I kind of wonder whether it's more a situation where, like, anime fans, I think we all need to to just, you know, step back for a second and realize, like, <laughs> we whine and complain about the dumbest shit sometimes. Like, <laughs> yeah, we do. Like, the, the tr- I think that's probably why companies are more hesitant to, like, essentially retool it. It's like you'll have bad experiences and good experiences. Sometimes like this one, I feel like it was extremely natural and flowed perfectly. But I feel like there'll, there'll be others where people will be like, this isn't the source material. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it's honestly super, super annoying to hear how like it's all, I, I don't know if it's gatekeepery, but it's like, you know, just so like proper and like annoying how much people like force force these people creating these things to to follow exactly what they had already said or in a case of like a dub like you basically have to re remake this thing right like things don't yeah. translate super well from straight japanese to english and i think for yeah. other other languages it's even harder like chinese like we had mentioned that must have been last episode with bleach mythology like they talk yeah. about like with poetry and stuff like that already baked into the sentences. Like imagine having to translate that to something an English person would understand. That's a good point. And you kind of hit another point where it's like, maybe it really is a lot of work. Maybe it is something that they don't have time in a production schedule uh, to do a dub adaptation of something that, you know, because it admittedly, obviously it is easier. Like if someone's already done the subtitles, then just make that the script for dub right why it's done and done just read the lines go home we're done and do i blame uh studios for that not always i guess but or or adaptators adapters whatever adaptators um i don't i don't know it's like i wonder i wonder how much real effort went into reworking a lot of this dialogue to make it western friendly 
what was it a, a case of a little goes a long way and just you know a lot of studios don't take the time or was this really a massive undertaking that paid off for uh you and i and anyone who watches it in dub right i, I don't know enough about the dub the dubbing process and the acquisition of certain vas so I, I don't know it's a it's an interesting i'd like to get some insight in that because then that could tell me like what did combatants must be dispatched as a show or combatants will be dispatched as a show get out of this, right? How much work went into the fruits of the labor, right? Um, so yeah, I, it, this show brings up some, you know, a more <laughs> less argumentative discussion of sub and dub that we typically have, but it's at the end of the day, I, I can't, I can't recommend this in sub. I, I have to recommend it in dub. And uh, I think, you as a viewer will get a lot out of it if you if you take it that direction. So, um, but yeah, I the other thing I mentioned up top about the show, it's horny as fuck, guys. It really is. You have the whole slew. You have the whole slew. You got a couple Miss Thickums. You know, I, in in any case, actually, I don't th- I don't think there are any other human male characters that aren't soldiers <laughs> in this show. I think Agent Six is the only human male with dialogue in this entire show. I don't know if that is a byproduct of the genre or... Well, like, you know, remember, the- like, constantly saying, where's my harem, you know? Like, he, <laughs> yeah. That's why, but like, it- I don't know, man. It was just, like, a little bit more meta than I think people were expecting, and I thought it was absolutely fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you have... Snow, the kind of typical Sundere, and I found Snow. She is a high knight of this kingdom of Tillis. I believe no, Tillis is the leader, right? That's her name. Uh, is who it um, Grace? The kingdom of Grace. The kingdom of Grace is yeah, uh, who, who is who Snow is kind of fighting for and fights for Tillis. And she's an interesting case for me because she is all about like you fight with chivalry you fight for glory you fight on the front line head on and that's how you gain glory there is an interesting you know connection between evil points for agent six and glory for snow until you realize she is a money hungry bitch at the end of the day (laughs) she she keeps taking loans out on her sword and they keep breaking and i love that she's like as the show progresses you can hear how many years it takes off to pay her loans back go higher. Like she took a, a two year out for her sword and then the later one is a three year loan. And then like I have a five year lien on this sword. Where the fuck where the fuck did you put it? And they broke it. <laughs> <laughs> so she is money hungry. So she's kind of this interesting case where the kingdom of grace in this world is very chivalrous in upfront, like surface level. But at the, underneath, there is just as much corruption as like an agent six but the difference is agent six isn't shy about it he knows who he is i'm here oh, for wow Kat. yeah honestly so, so yeah. i just looked up uh the lead voice actor for um uh yeah. agent six mm-hmm. and apparently he goes by jello apocalypse on youtube and he's got he's, one po- wait yeah i watched jello apocalypse a lot. He's got one one point eight four million subscribers. Holy shit, that totally is him. Oh my god. You just you just melted my synapses. Wow. They got Jello Apocalypse to do the main dubbing for combatants will be dispatched. 
That's but rad evidently. as hell. That's, <laughs> that makes way more sense to me now. Holy shit. Holy shit. Well, that's super cool to know. Yeah. And I, to that end, right? He's a fan. He's a fucking fan. Like, and he's, he's got a good voice. He's a good VA. So, yeah. I, I, wow. That's really cool, actually. Um, I'm stymied. I'm, I'm flabbergasted, frankly. Um, right, but I, I think like the cast makes it really fun too. Like, yeah. they're literally all outcasts for s- some reason or another, but it's always like a funny reason <laughs> where, right. like, Snow wasn't an outcast until Six came around, but she is like a degenerate, <laughs> yeah. like, loan taker, like you did mention. Yeah, right. Um, so, so she's like upside down on every single loan she's ever taken because her swords just get like evaporated constantly. <laughs> But, you know, um, Alice, or sorry, Rose is like, Rose, uh, yeah. they call her a combat chimera. She was just like found in a random laboratory or something. But yeah, she's just like cave. ravenously hungry <laughs> and will like, I, can like basically eat any monster and get gain its power, essentially. But I, I, like, think- I liked her. I liked her power set actually a lot. Is that like yeah? It's basically kind of a sun eater from My Hero Academia. Whatever yeah, she eats, eater. she she gains she gains that part, and she keeps wanting to eat rare creatures. Like on the battlefield, a griffin comes down. Like, hey, I'm gonna go deal with that griffin real quick. And it's like, you want to eat that thing, don't you? Like, yes, I do. I want to fly. Boom, <laughs> she'll go run off and like eat, try to eat some shit. Um, who else you got? You got Grim, who. She's in a wheelchair and basically she has she's kind of a disciple of this undead lord where if she offers up kind of these small trinkets or something she can apply medium or mild to moderate curses on people which I right. found she could be she's pretty in a effective in right. Yeah. Yeah. But the reason she's in a wheelchair is because is because she I think she used her legs to like sacrifice something as as the sacrificial piece for a curse. And wasn't the part of it like she could never put shoes on again was was a component of that? Because yeah, it was, the, yeah. Basically, what her curses are is she'll say like, "Dear Lord Zenerith, uh, do something to this person," and then if it if it ends up like not going through or backfiring, it'll happen to her. So <laughs> she was like pissed at some girl for getting a boyfriend. So she said, "Oh yeah." She she was trying to curse her to not wear shoes ever again, and so she it backfired, and now she can't ever wear shoes again, or she'll explode. But when we meet her, she's in a wheelchair, and we're like, "Oh no, she lost use of her legs." And no, she just doesn't no. wear shoes and doesn't want to walk barefoot on the <laughs> ground. <laughs> oh my god! And she's a degen too. She like whenever she sleeps, she like sleep moans about snow. So it's really awkward because they say, Snow, go wake her up. And when she tries, it's like, oh, Snow. And it's like, ah, can someone else do this, please? <laughs> this is awkward <laughs> as fuck. Um, so that's like their squad is like kind of these. And everyone in the kingdom like like think they're the lowest of the low. Like this disciple of an undead curse god and this like abomination of science and magic. So it's perfect squad for Agent Six. And honestly, they make a pretty solid team when they're all awake and aware. And they can't really die, can they? Because Grim gets resurrected at the altar every time. Well, that's she what's dies. funny about Grim is she's like asleep for ninety percent of the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what the fuck? So I think she might be a play on like the Deus Ex Machina because 
I think she's the only one of the group that can use any sort of like competent magic of sorts. But she'll pop up and do a thing. And when she when she does a thing, there was like the the golem attack. She like said, uh, you know, Lord Zenith, can you like glue their feet to the ground? And as big golems, they fall over and incapacitated. That's pretty vi- like viable battle potential. Like that's pretty cool. Um, so she kind of was like this Deus Ex Machina where she'd wake up at certain times, but then it was never confirmed because in the first fight, she was just asleep somewhere on a cliff. And like, where the fuck is Grim? It's like, uh, <laughs> she's over there sleeping it off. So I don't know what we could do here. <laughs> right. She's like, so um, there's there's a, actually a line near the end where she's like, she's, <laughs> I think it actually might be the literal last episode. <laughs> Yeah, right. like, I think so too. She's bitching at him because he wants to put shoes on her or like socks on her and just test essentially whether <laughs> what she's been saying this entire show is even real. And he's like, he's like, uh, she goes, what? You don't think I've been useful? Or like, you're not, you don't think it's like real? And he's like, you haven't been useful at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, what do we I, care? You know, <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was just like really funny because like you don't get to see those like, circle backs and shows when like like for instance with um aqua like useless goddess right yeah right you don't you don't like get that kind of circle back where it's not just like a running joke it's like we're, no we're seriously trying to figure out if you're useless or not <laughs> and then they do and then she fucking explodes from socks they put, they put socks on her feet and she like goes up in flames immediately yeah oh it's so funny and then there's like there's a lot of other good subversions here that are really funny and like i said shows horny all that the only other guy in this show is a mutant that the kisaragi corporation sends named tiger man who's this this big beefy macho tiger like basically anthropomorphized dude very beast stars in that regard and he's pretty funny but then like you know there's an episode where they like summon a demon to try to get a wish, and it was all in favor of Alice trying to prove that Grimm's powers are actually not real and they're fake as fuck. And she's like, "Go clean my fucking toilet, dude." And he and she's like, "Uh, no, sorry, you're bullying me." And they disappears. And then <laughs> Agent Six asks Tiger Man, "What would you have wished for?" He says, "Oh, meow, I want to be a pretty girl." What? <laughs> yeah, I want to. When I go back to Kisaragi, I want them to engineer me as a pretty little girl. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, so he is easily the most degenerate of all of them, frankly. But I actually thought he was my favorite character, like, for the end, like, basically until he started, like, actually being creepy with children. But it's almost like he was so unabashed about it that it was like, I don't know how to feel. Right. Like, we, like, I, I shouldn't feel like this is a blindside. Of course, I should have seen this coming. We literally have been prepped that he's willing to do anything for evil points. So he starts getting really creepy and tries to get the best he can. Um, but yeah, but then there's these moments like one of my favorite jokes in the entire fucking show was that blue massive shrimp, Moke Moke, that he goes into the woods and he's trying to learn about the animals of this world so he can kind of get a better grasp of things. And they run into <laughs> yeah. a, a Moke Moke, which is this giant like maybe nearly two-story, like, blue shrimp, right? Agent Six finds one that's hurt and wants to help and really starts to form this unspoken kinship 
with this creature he's never exposed been exposed to before. And then out of nowhere, Snow comes in, cuts that bitch in half, and then shares the meat with everyone else at the tavern. And he's at the bar, literally sobbing and just saying, bokeh, bokeh. It's like, come on, like, be joyous. We just got all this meat. And he says, there's nothing joyful in this world anymore now that moke moke is gone. <laughs> and I died. I yeah. died. Because that's so weird that, like, it's not weird. It was just like, out of character for Agent Six, and he's a shithead to every sentient being in the world. But when you have this weird crustacean monster come around, he forms this really genuine kinship in the moment with it. I love that. It was. <laughs> Think about it now. He's like, and he says, like, I can't believe that my team is eating my best friend in front of me, right in front of me. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. It's just like. Uh... This show was hilarious. I don't know how people didn't like it. I, I, I mean, I really do think at this point we. I'm just gonna chalk it up to like maybe differences in sub and dub. But yeah, uh, there's another there's another element of it I wanted to bring up, and it, it was it kind of is what I've been alluding to this whole time: the degen energy, the horniness. Right, you see it a lot in these kinds of shows, but they'd never really had this explanation or meta excuse behind it. Do you think that maybe that despite the framing? For all of this kind of horniness and degenerate vibe, do you think that, you know, does that framework, if you use a little bit of wrinkle power, kind of make all of that okay? Or is the sheer presence of all of that harem main girl squad kind of thing, is that put off people? Is that something that would put off someone despite having a reason for it being there? You know, I was just thinking that is that despite, well, despite all that, you know. I know that the people that didn't like it watch more fucked up shit. So, like, I can't imagine at all that that has anything to do with it. Actually, you know genuine. I mean? Yeah, all printer. You know, that's facts, man. No printer. So, all like, facts. that's good. That, that's a good. That's a good retort. Like, wh- what about this? Wasn't it right? So, I don't think it's that. I don't think it was that. Um, right. I-, I can see people that would approach this and maybe consider it a little hollow. Right. They weren't getting this big, grand adventure out of it, but maybe that was the point that was missed. It was never meant to be that. It was never meant to be this isekai grand adventure, right? It's an isekai in visuals. This could have been, right? I think this could have been another genre, and if you had the same characters and the same kind of narrative stringing together, still would have had the same vibe, you know? I don't know. Yeah, I mean... Yes, the story was somewhat shallow, but like the entire idea of it is intended to be shallow. Like like if you really think about the plot, he's only there to like pre-conquer this land so that they can send their their employees there instead of laying them off. Like that is literally the premise of the show. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. You know what I it's mean? A, like it's th- a, there's it's no a like move. Yeah. Yeah, there there's nothing like we need to do this or our race will end or, you know, our, our species will die. It's literally just so that, uh, flaming Bilal, uh, freezing Astaroth and black Lilith can like figure out something to do with their employees without having to lay them off. Like, yeah. And that's really, and and I must say, I really loved the, like a couple episodes and then after every episode you get you get to kind of check in with flaming bilal astaroth and lilith oh yeah yeah and i don't know they're they're just like so funny and like their interactions were also great you know they, they most of the time honestly they spent partying 
Yeah, they did. <laughs> I think it was like episode it, nine or ten where they were just like literally having a uh, they're having a party and they're like celebrating their most recent like it was like a quarterly report party, right? Yeah, we did it good was this quarter. Employee appreciation party. <laughs> But, you it's, know, it's, Agent 6 is gone. Yeah, right. I was just going to say Agent 6 can't even get appreciated because he's literally out doing the work. So I, I right, love that. It was great. Um, and I think that might be part of it, right? Is that maybe the people that were watching this, the context, this overall context was lost because you got like immersed in the struggles between, between the kingdom of grace. And I want to say, uh, I don't know. Well, what is the other the other kingdom they go to that like... It's like they Tannis basically, or something? Yeah, yeah, Tannis or something like that. And the ones that were like grouping up with the demon army, they, they maybe got lost in wanting to get, you know, immersed in that part of the world, but they kind of lost the, the meta concept of the whole thing where this is all in service of, you know, the equivalent of a TPS report, right? This is just, we need to get this job done. That's all it is. And, you know, maybe, maybe, honestly, Here's the thing. Maybe people that didn't like the show went into it with a similar expectation set that I went into Moonlit Fantasy with, where I wanted the show to be something else that it was. Right? Yeah. And I, I, I mean, think it's that, a fair point. And, and, and because of that, I, my uh, experience with Moonlit Fantasy was dampened because I was waiting for something that they never designed it to deliver. Now, this show might be you know in a lot of ways set up to be you know this konosuba style comedy but you're still immersed in the world that's not what it was and i didn't have that expectation you didn't have that expectation so we went in and took it for what it was delivering and kind of really liked it and maybe everyone else that went into it were just like wait i thought this was gonna be like a like a real meaty but comedic isekai romp but that's not what it was it's not what it meant to be. So I, I, I say to everyone who maybe had a, uh, a disagreeable uh, outcome with this show to maybe rethink it the way I rethink Moonlit Fantasy, where take it for what it is, be objective, kind of table your expectations before... If you have them coming in, that's okay. Sidebar those for a second, and then once the show is done, reevaluate what you were expecting, and then ask the show what it was trying to be in next to those expectations. And then maybe, just maybe, you might actually get something different out of it. Better, sometimes worse, but oftentimes better. Because you let those... Uh, you came in net neutral. Not, I have, I have X um, uh, expectation to get out of this show. And I learned that with Moonlit Fantasy. So, we're growing as professors. Our <laughs> brains ever expanding. Wrinkles getting denser, you know. That's what we, we want for you guys. We learn something new every day, huh? We do learn something new every day. Um, but yeah, any knocks in the show? Anything you think that you know took points away? I, I, for me, I think even with the setup of all, you know, we knew it was going to be kind of Jenny and all that. You know, I would have liked to have seen a more mixed cast. You had, you know, everyone, you know, Miss Thickums, Big Booba, Little Lolies, you know, Chimera Lolies. You know, you had all that shit. I felt like it, it, it felt very one note and it started to weigh on me a bit. I'm glad it ended at 12 episodes because any more than that, I think that the luster would have been lost. But the, the 12 episode one core situation, I think alluded to it ended where any further it would have gotten old, I think, 
but other than uh, that's that's my main knock i think that just give me a little bit more diversity in cast there could have been a lot more male characters that could have been you know shitty or fun or what have you but um yeah it felt very uh one note in terms of cast aesthetic it was just big booba for days you know yeah, I mean, that didn't really bother me so much. I would say, like, one shining glory for me is, like, they broached the lolly topic, I felt, fairly well, at least yeah. for the main character, where, like, he constantly would be like, sorry, Rose, you're too young for me, kind of thing. Right. right? Because yeah. she's, like, and- the, the young-looking kid kind of chimera thingamajig, and, like, frequently he'll she'll say something that's like obviously like got some sort of innuendo whether she means it or not and he keeps like saying yeah she's too young for me and stuff like that or there'll be like a situation where and i talked about this when i think i pitched it like he'll be frustrated or that he's not getting his like harem yeah and and he'll be like you know snow or grim maybe but like grim's a psycho and snow's insane you know <laughs> yeah right and, and he like never mentions rose as like even a potential and then there's this episode later on where they're like dying in the in the desert and oh yeah yeah, yeah. everyone else is knocked out and he has no other way to get <laughs> to get uh evil points except for for some unknown reason he's willing to like look at uh, or upskirt Grim while she's dead or unconscious, but won't do it to Snow. <laughs> I love that. I love it that. Was, and then it he was just, pretty funny. And he just racks up points all night while she's asleep. Yeah. And then, and then uh, yeah. And, and the, but the thing, right? That you think, like, oh my God, that's like really not okay. She's asleep. She's not consenting, blah, blah, blah. But yes, on that is not okay. But at the same time, they don't survive unless he does that. They're all also, dead. He's right? suppo- it's supposed to be like a joke about evil like i don't yeah, understand right. if, if you're getting like triggered by the show like i guess my opinion would be don't watch it or chill out fair fair and to to your lowly handling point i think i that is exemplified most in you remember the conversation that agent sinks and alex had where he's lamenting that he didn't have his sexy run-in moment where he's supposed to have kind of earlier on in the season and he'd yeah. wait around the corner for hours just to get like that run in and <laughs> and and, yeah. and then fall on a chick and grab grab her tits and all that and then oh she's God. like and then she and then she's like you can grab mine and she like puts his hand on her boob and she's like oh yeah so hot oh god yeah. this is what you wanted right and he's like ew fuck no you're way too young you're also like a bag of silicone so absolutely not like yeah. two things already wrong so the, the the lowly thing was handled not just in the right way, but in such like kind of a throwaway kind of thing. It wasn't even a wasn't even a play. But then there's people like Heine who is just like thickums up and down that he literally will go out of his way to force her in a situation where he could take pictures of her. Like <laughs> it, like, it, like so he he is a main character. Like he clearly has boundaries, which is great. But he also like when the boundaries are off, he is just like off to the races. He's, he's ready to go. He's diabolical. He's fucking diabolical. So, you know we got to do it to him, Ethan. Unless you got any final words nah, about the I show. Mean, like, I mean, we've mentioned it. It's not super deep. There's nothing like no. crazy to talk about here. It's just, I, I guess I, I wanted to mention it mostly as like a, 
what went wrong for other people that I felt like I really freaking enjoy. Like I laughed every single episode. Yeah, same, every single same. one. And it's, I think it's a dub. I think it's a dub thing, you know? Um, and maybe, and maybe we just got to do You're a right. Dub is yeah. better for every no, single no, show. No, no, don't, don't, no. Do not get me on mic saying I think I'm dub so is better. I'm so glad you said that. I think no, 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 no. You know what? This dub is better. This dub is light years better. I You're will right. say this that. This dub I'll is better than every other sub. You're so lucky I'm up here in the chilly north or I'll scissor kick your ass. You're done. <laughs> You're done, son. You're done, but, son. <laughs> You're done, son. So yeah, I think if I had to rate this show, I would give it a 75 out of 100 silicon lollies. I was going to say 75 as well. Tiger Boom. meows. Tiger, 75 out of 100 tiger meows. You know, not gonna, it's not going to blow your mind, but it, it's probably one of the better popcorn anime I have seen in a very long time. You will have a fantastic time. Get some friends together. Get some brews if that's your thing. You know, just ha- this, this show is a good time through and through. They know what right. they have in dub. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's just but, so but fun. But be forewarned, it is absolutely degenerate on purpose. Yes. It's degenerate in a way that they frame it it's 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 meant to be and it's it's built from the ground up to actually justify the degeneracy that other isekais seem to just kind of add on as their their flavor of spice you know ooh we're going to add big booba here and you know we're going to add sexy moments there no this show is built from the ground up to actually justify all that activity and that's why i think for me this is a standout in uh in, in a sea of otherwise like high fantasy harem-y kind of shows because it gives purpose to its degen energy and i agree subs do suck oh my god oh my god i i don't want to go down no i i will die on this sub hill but i did plant a (laughs) tiny little dub flag up here too Woo! i did i have and combat that's a dispatch. that's that's a w right there for you man but uh i think that's all we God, for this one, thank you, everyone, for coming to this very DGN energy class. You said, I don't know how many times you said that fucking word in this episode, but we did. It's only, it's only fair. Um, yes, links it needs to, to be said. Yeah, it needs to be said. Links to any place you want to listen to us and all the places you're listening right now in the description. Uh, like, comment, subscribe on YouTube. Hello, we're going to be doing stuff on that. I, I promise we're so behind, but that's totally on me. Um, but <laughs> we, uh, do have a, we do have a Discord, which you can get onto if you go to patreon.com slash webology. One dollar and up gets you into the Discord with all of our past guests and the lovely Patreon folk. And three dollars and up gets you into our syllabus sidebar, our lo-fi, high vibes, sometimes anime, sometimes not, sometimes visual, sometimes on hiatus show where we talk about life and shit and experiment with new types of content. You got about 30 episodes there. So if you have a free afternoon on this nice, cushy Saturday, go ahead and give it a listen. We just kind of riff about all the, all the fun things that we think about and do and have some segments on there too. So um, I think that's a good spiel and that's all I got. I, I'm about to bounce out of here and get the biggest fucking sandwich. They literally call it a tall boy. <laughs> I'm really excited to go get one of those. Got french fries and shit in it. It's going to be... Yeah. It's gonna, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be monstrous until I can come back to my hotel room that I did not specify where it is and regret my culinary choices. I'm Ricky. <laughs> and I'm Ethan. And this has been Weebology. Deuces. I am going to eat that sandwich in one bite. I'm going to try. It is like seven layers, but I'm going to make it. Work. Yeah, you're not going to get it. Uh, we'll see. 